names and words. These things that we use absolutely every day of our lives. We take them for granted, use them simply and freely. But sometimes they have hidden meanings, just like our own history. One story on the surface, until you scratch just a bit below the surface and find something much, much bigger. This is what our podcast brings to you. We are back. This is Jackie. And this is Godiva. And welcome to Wurida. The hill we are sitting on today at East African Records was rolling grass and thatched houses, not concrete structures, walking paths instead of roads, livestock instead of cats and dogs. In 1875, Kabaka Mutesa One is cleverly negotiating the pandemic that never quite left us. The slow trickle of Europeans into what we now call Uganda, which culminated in the colonization of this country. What would you do? Imagine you're not just a king. You are the embodiment of a kingdom, of a people, of a whole spiritual system in human form. You're aware of the fact that all your neighbors are also being affected by this plague. Visitors keep trickling in. It is inevitable. Whether it will be with force or kindness is your only choice. You're expanding your kingdom. An ally couldn't hurt. How much could you really lose? Gone, take the chance. And he does, boldly, with guns and the British. The first shot goes out in the subtle form of a letter. Henry Morton Stanley, an explorer of his time in Uganda, is asked by the Kabaka to put out a call for British teachers. The letter is published in the Daily Telegraph. This is not any different than today. Some British missionary teachers arrive in our home. Seven different kinds of schools brought one new language and one new God into our lives. The one unifying factor for all these schools is that they were basically intended to teach young Africans um, religion and basically intended for young Africans to then be poured into the system as clerks and translators for the colonial government. Um, and of course, Jackie, really from this, we can see that girls were not the focus of the education system at this point. True. If, in fact, given like some of the research that we did, one of the reasons as to why some of these schools were established in the first place was to breed wives for uh, these men who were going to these schools, you know? Yes, <laughs> yes. Once the women's education comes in, then the emphasis comes into the breeding of wives. Mm -hmm. Colonial education hasn't changed much from the system that we have now. The focus then was on arithmetic, religion, vernacular, you know, the fact that um, children were being punished for speaking English, for speaking their local languages then. And that's still a thing that we see now, you know. I mean, in Namagunga, we had a speech tag, which if you were the person who was basically accused of speaking the most vernacular by everybody in your class, you had to wear a tag saying speech offender. Basically, you are an offender for speaking a local language the of most, your people. You know what I found interesting, at least for me, in when, when, when I was in St. Patrick, is that you had like prefects who were there placed in place and ready to like hand like give the sacks to people like these were like initial informers like they teach you how to betray your own from yeah. the get-go like they'll sit like in the back or randomly be yeah. walking by the 
classroom waiting to hear who yeah, said. Yeah, prefect waiting to hear you speak yeah. a local language. Yeah. And then you had to wear that sack for like the whole day. And then on Friday, they used to have like a, a full list. It was called, the, it was actually, I remember, the list of perpetual offenders. Mm. So then they read your names on Friday uh, Friday morning and then you line up. With, and, you, yeah, with, and your crime was essentially Because you speaking. get punished for not yeah. speaking enough English. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that this hasn't changed much, right? Is that we're still getting punished for not speaking enough English. We still get shamed. We see how Katolu Obama gets shamed for I being know. an MP who know, right? communicates primarily in Luganda. I think that we've continued to internalize like the ways in which they told us that our languages are bad and English is better. Yeah, but also how people use English and whatever accent that you have as um, like a measurement for intelligence, you know, yes. and how like there's like all this emphasis on mm. what kind of English do you speak and then how that in turn yeah. means how intelligent you are or not, yeah. which is weird. But also people ask like, which schools did you go to? Like mm. essentially, English as a mark of education. Exactly. You know? <laughs> not yeah. knowing that the whole system, the reasons as to why it was built was, well, they needed workers. You know, <laughs> clerks and translators to go and do for the British government. Imagine. But here we are. I was thinking about how, essentially, the, how the curriculum was designed and and what ca- ca- aspects have been picked and, you know, trickled down to, like, post-colonialism and how it's still the same thing, just dressed differently. And even when we talk about, say the kinds of subjects and how subjects are taught for example history like i remember learning so many of these things but then as i read them as an adult who's interested and actively interested in this history i get like a whole different feel to like the social studies that i learned yeah. you know i remember thinking of kamalega and mwanga as traitors you know because they were fighting the colonial government you know because that's how it was taught that they mm-hmm. rebelled yeah these are people who rebelled yet for according to kamalega and mwanga they were actually fighting to maintain the independence of their people so you can see the way that the colonialists influenced even the history that we get taught. You I know? know, and the fact that when the colonizers left, that we had a government that didn't even bother to rectify any of these wrongs or to even tell, or even to think that that is key or important enough for Ugandan citizens to be aware of these histories and how they are being told and, and you know, who is telling them and who is benefiting from what. Yeah, in fact, we maintain those inequalities. Our governments maintain those inequalities. Look at the way, for example, we mock somebody like Katolo Wama. We say he's not fit to be an MP. Like, do you need English to govern a group of people who literally do not speak that language, you know? I and know. I think that our government have has maintained that colonial idea that only if you speak English, only if you aspire to be British in a certain way, then are you like a good human being who's worthy of respecting. I think, I remember even Sylvia Tamale wrote in, in When Hands Begin to Crow about an incident in 1995 of an MP who was kicked out of the parliament chamber in Uganda because he went into the chamber with a Chitenge shirt mm-hmm. and apparently the dress code for parliament is a suit and a coat, you know, yeah. and a tie. And yeah, so just these strange things which you don't think about until you're like, oh, Kumbe master taught us these things, you know? You know, even the the whole idea of, um, I was thinking about 
the classes you know when you when you talked about when you read the list of schools and you know what that looked like and who went to what schools mm. and how that is like very very key even now like yeah. to just like establish yourself and your class and your status and just like what kind of education yeah, did, did you, you go to a city school you know, or did, did you go did to you? or Marcos <laughs> or did you go to the sub what was it sub? you know and you have you, you actually have adults now who still say that like in, yeah. in you know in like work spaces and someone's like what schools did you go to probably a product of this and you're like mm. ninja i wish you knew but <laughs> when i talk about for example the fact that i was educated i was ex- I, was, i was educated almost exclusively like in catholic schools right from nursery school because of course um my i was raised catholic by my parents and i ended up going to these schools the big schools that were established initially by missionaries and of course those schools are a marker of class you know mm-hmm. most of the, most of the girls and boys who go to those schools of budos mark tend to be the ones who get scholarships and go to study abroad and while in colonial times the thing was how british do you sound you mm-hmm. know now i think that generally there is a certain way that certain people speak english that kind of gives them access to certain things and we complain about True. especially for those of us who were born and raised in Uganda we complain mm. about like chief bulayas people who just there was who come back do you call from... switch do you think that that's uh, like it... one of the do you think that that's even a thing um, like depending on which rooms you enter you ed- and how yeah. i think i do um, for me Yeah. Yeah, I do yeah. like depending on like when you're on, with us the banana on the banana you will like uh-huh. but depending on like what rooms and who I'm speaking to and how uh what I'm trying to to like to convey yeah to convey or communicate depending so I will code switch like there are certain there's things certain that Englishes that are yes, more welcome somewhere like there even words that I will pronounce like pronunciation you know yeah. but if I'm speaking I'll just say pronounce so like you know how you pronounce that word Yeah. brother like how I'll just like yeah. change things around depending on the rooms i think yeah that's very t- i don't know that i could switch but i think that it's a very deliberate choice that i make like for me my aim in life is to sound like a munayu so if i'm sitting in a room you're the ambassador of where i'm going to sound like a munayu but i think that that's also like a decision that i can make because of my yeah. class privilege you exactly. know i can't imagine like a border guy entering a room with the ambassador of where and then being like in fact i should talk to you like a munayu you know So yeah, I think that yeah, a lot of the markers of class in our society are like based on our colonial hang-ups of like what does a good subject sound like. But you still see the same thing. Who are the people going to smack? Who are the people going to budo? Who are the people going to Gaza? Then you're there from Kasoko so high like it's clear you're not the child of a chief. You understand? So I think that those things yeah. But in turn like the the privilege that comes with going to these schools is that even that comes with certain access you know that the fact that we went to i don't think me i went to those schools anyway but the fact that we still get like access not only into certain spaces but access for higher education like if you go to makere you know like uh certain institutions have like they collaborate with particular schools mm. so you have higher chances of or getting to getting or even having spaces. information of knowing that there's like more like mm. there's more if you want it mm-hmm. and more if you're well you, networked yeah exactly that mm. what the network looks like what your where your obis are you know how mm. teachers like mentioned because again like the whole old girl old boy thing is like a thing so they keep throwing names of so and so went here like when we were doing the research in terms of schools just to know like mm. part of the work that we found was that there's a list a notable list 
mm, of who of went where who went particular and where schools, they are, you know, yeah. and how that's even marketed as a class mm. symbol. And that's how schools market yeah. themselves. Because like Narisunsa will tell you, Ruth Nankabira is our OG because she's now an MP. Not that I respect anybody in Museveni's government, honestly. But in Uganda, like that mm. is clearly like a marker of how you judge what is a good school to take your child to, you know? Mm. Kadaga went to this particular school, then it becomes a big deal. Mm. Janet Museveni, although we are not sure about her education, <laughs> apparently went to this, what is that school called? Beranyanchi. So you see, sure. yes. I thought she was educated in Switzerland. Uh, I also thought she went to Makere, so who is right? <laughs> but we can't talk about Janet Museveni, you guys, they'll arrest us, they'll take us to prison. But uh, <laughs> they'll close our Kalito podcast when we've just found good products. <laughs> for yes. me i believe that my ability to be a good colonial subject is why like mm. i have the work that i have it's why i roll in the circles that i roll mm. because the truth of the matter is that as ugandans we do judge ourselves by how yeah. good of a colonial subject that you are mm. we really do so that ability to to code switch definitely affects your ability to enter into certain circles look at peter sematimba for example when he yeah. goes to when he goes to pira <laughs> when he goes to campaign with to the people who vote him please that ninja speaks the best luganda you will ever hear you know but then when he comes to these spaces where he needs to be a certain he's like pira sematimba like what is that <laughs> you know <laughs> so definitely the code switching has a certain value which every ugandan is a, is aware of even those who are not capable of doing that code switch that yeah. that's what i think jackie anyway. i actually do agree i think that uh code switching starts from like the get-go i remember as a, as a kid back in the born early 90s and we had to like i remember like the the very fact that i spoke english was like a thing that had to be celebrated and I remember like that's the thing that my, my even my brothers used to like send me around to get girls for them <laughs> by using English <laughs> as a language so they'll be like take send you and then you say something in English and then everyone's like oh my god they, she speaks English even my mom's friends would come home and then that that would be like a thing of like oh this kid speaks mm. English not the fact that I could speak four other different languages because we kept moving yeah. around but the fact that English was Do something. Do you even speak Lutoro properly, you? Well, I can say that my English is better than my Lutoro. Exactly. But my Lusoga is better than my English. Really? Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. Really? <laughs> okay, I'm shocked. Uh-huh. So I just think that code switching and just like the advantages that come with how you speak English and what quote and I'm air quoting here what respect that comes with is very very key mm, see how we mock northern ugandans for our mother tongue influence because mm-hmm. we say chachas <laughs> you know although we Uganda have no r or no l in some parts <laughs> yeah definitely the ability to code switch the ability to speak english without your mother tongue entering to interfere mm-hmm. is a thing that yeah um, so, of course, Jackie and myself are having this conversation, um, having had the benefit of receiving an education, although we are girl children. Um, but the truth of the matter is that until 1898, all these schools that we have been talking about were actually established specifically to educate boys and men, the sons of chiefs. It is only later that we see girl-child education becoming a concern not just for the missionaries but also for the protectorate government of Uganda. So you spoke about Namibia Girls School. What most Ugandans don't know, what most Ugandans think that they know is that Namib- is that Gayaza was the first girls' school. Now, 
that is not true. Namibia Girls School was the first school and it was established in 1898. Uh, at its inception, they had only 265 girls enrolled and that number grew to 1,488 uh, in 1906. Was actually known as a popular breeding ground for the wives of the male students at Budo. If you are about that life and you are looking to stag a man who is from the creme de la creme of society, you would have had to go to Gayaza High School. A brief caveat the education of girls was not necessarily intended to produce clerks and translators as the British government initially intended when establishing schools. The education of girls was intended to produce good wives and homemakers. And as such, many of the subjects that were taught in the schools that were set up for girls included things like religion, English language, hygiene, child welfare and mother craft, drawing, needlework, housewifery and cooking, and singing among others. However, you would have to be the daughter of a chief or from an important Protestant family because education is not just for everybody. It wasn't just Buganda. Toro and Busoga wanted a piece of this pie. Toro Zumukama, Daudi, Kasegama, Chebambe advocated for the introduction of education. And in 1910, Toro Girls was constructed, which is now Chebambe girls. His young daughter, Ruth Komontale, was one of the boarders which attracted chiefs and other people to send their children to school. The numbers rose in hundreds. In 1912, Buckley Girls School, now called Iganga Girls High School, was established at the request of the Busoga chiefs. Goodiva, when you talk about, like, we're actually in your list of the things that were taught, I remember I went to an old girls' school as well and we were taught like needlework. We had to learn how to like sew buttons, uh, home economics, and you had to learn how to cook and also like crafts as a thing that mm -hmm. was emphasized, you know, like of the subjects that you had to take and how that the curriculum now as it stands, or maybe I'm an oldie, but <laughs> oldie, <no. laughs> but seriously, yeah. you know, like I went to. I went to secondary school in the 2000s. Mm -hmm. So back in the 2000s, we are still in the 2000s. Before Corona. <laughs> well, you know. Um, some of the, the, the subjects that you least actually are still Continue. taught. You know? Yeah, we still have this colonial idea of what a good woman should be, right? Mm. Of course, they, they just added for us also the things that they were teaching the boys because mm. also I also went to school in the 2000s. I'm ancient, like Jackie. <laughs> went to school in the 2000s and we did like learn things like needlework. I'm not sure that boys' schools teach things like that, like needlework. Although we didn't have any course called housewifery <laughs> or like motherly things, but, but wait, it's very clear that we can't still Can't you have classify? Because I, I remember we like I went to when I was in St. Patrick, the the teachers who used to come to inspect the beds and we were told to lay beds a certain yeah, way. Prison corners. Exactly. And then we had yeah. to peel like uh food that we were to that we were supposed to Yeah, we to had to peel the food well. ourselves as so well. So doesn't that qualify as wifi? No, yeah. There are those know? things which which yeah, our schools are actually still teaching this colonial idea of what it means to like for a girl to be well, education is not just the purpose. Like, mm -hmm. For a girl to have a career is not the purpose of her education. Yeah. 
yeah. because being a wife is considered to be part of any woman's career. So it's very clear that our education system continues to teach us not just yeah, and what we need like, to learn, but also how to be good wives. I'm thinking about also the role of the senior woman teacher in enforcing these values and what that looked like. Like I remember we had to be checked for pet- petticoats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like imagine the like, in Uganda, Kampala wearing a petticoat in our heat. Can you imagine? Under those uniform gandulas we used to wear. <laughs> and that will beat you for it, you know. <laughs> it's so weird like I'm thinking about like senior women teachers walking around trying to see who had petticoats and who had yeah, washed what socks and what British color they had morality. to yeah that we yeah. and even the length of like uniforms and who yeah. took what to be done where it's so weird this conversation is making me see a lot of just the ways in which this British morality then got imparted into us you mm-hmm. know and then now you see it it plays out in the in the laws that we think we can pass for each other this idea of like a british good person a british good woman yeah. which is so ingrained in our education system now that we think of it as normal you know mm-hmm. i mean when we're in school of course now it has changed um they're now seen as like options food and nutrition for example was an optional subject that we that we had to take i'm sure for example when my mother and my elder sisters who are much older than me went to school it was not an option like if you were a girl yeah. you had to do homicorn and food and nutrition which of course includes needlework yeah so I think we are seeing more choices now but definitely our education system at least for what it was intended to teach girls like still the basics does. are still there of good wifi. We are excited to say that this season of Volera is made possible because of feminist money specifically donated by the African Women's Development Fund and Frida the Young Feminist Fund. We would appreciate more from the rest of you. <laughs> May feminist money really increase. Thank you for listening. You can find Bulira on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter. And as usual, all our notes and sources will be shared on our Medium page. <laughs>